Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I'm Connie, along with dopamine fiend Meg. This is episode 34, The Abduction of Jennifer Holiday. I'm trying really hard to like cut back on my phone and social media time. And it is not working. No, it's hard. Like, I don't know if any of you guys are listening that know this, but you are in the presence of an Instagram celebrity. <laughs> no. She had a reel that by the time this comes out, maybe it'll have 2 million views, 5 million, 10 million. I don't know. The sky is the limit and people love you because you're so cute and relatable. And But you had that TikTok that did like 1. Jillion million views too. And we were talking about this. We got a million views on like two separate videos. And on TikTok, we got like 20,000 followers. And on Instagram, we got 2,000, which we're still happy that you're here. But it's just interesting how that worked. It's And then we discussed the differences in our personalities because Megan was like, this is dope. Let's make more. This is awesome. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I'm never making another one again. I'm not even getting on TikTok anymore. Uh, I'll tell a funny story after after we're done. But because we got to get into it, right? We got to get into it. That's our thing. Okay. So today I want to talk about abduction, kidnapping, trafficking, whatever you choose to call it, because it happens every single day. And I want you guys to know what to do if it happens to you. Because when I was kidnapped, I unknowingly did several things that I have now learned to be like a best practice if you are abducted. I didn't know I was doing them, but afterwards when I went to classes and learned, I realized that, oh, I kind of just did these because of because I was trying to stay safe. Um, and fun fact, I was once on the Montel Williams show. Hey. Hey, I might find that and put it on our Patreon. Um, I've looked everywhere for it. I can't. My mom has it recorded on a VHS tape. Yeah, she does. <laughs> so I might have to get it from her. Uh, the, that episode though, it was entirely dedicated to children who were almost kidnapped, but fought off their attacker or ran away. Like I was the only one that had been actually taken, but there were like six kids on there to talk mm -hmm. about it. And right now in the world, there are estimated to be around 25 million people being held against their will, which is horrifying. Mm -hmm. It's literally 7% of the U S population, but that's the whole world. Um, and actually, that's a pretty modest estimation. The International Labor Organization says that that number is actually probably 40 million. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I remember reading those two numbers when I did the trafficking episode, and it's sobering to hear I know. that. And they, they go low because the data isn't reliable because people are very good at hiding it, and they just get better all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be a little frank might annoy some of you, but if you have the luxury of driving your car to work, listening to our podcast, or putting on your headphones and tuning in while you're doing laundry, you are an incredibly fortunate person, and you're probably not on an abductor's first pick list. That doesn't mean you aren't. We all have different circumstances, but the people that are most susceptible to being taken in the U.S. are kids who are in child welfare or like the juvenile justice system, 
And that includes foster care, when I say child welfare, uh, unaccompanied foreign national youth, people who are seeking asylum in the U.S. and undocumented workers, like if they ha- even if they have a visa, if they're migrant laborers, they're national domestic workers, really anyone with limited English speaking skills too. Native Americans, specifically women and girls. And we know, if you don't know, now you know, it is a huge issue right now in the U.S. and Canada. Oh my gosh, Canada. Native women are disappearing. It's, we will cover it. It's so extensive. It's insane. Like indigenous women in Canada, it's, like I can't even get into it without getting like really emotional about it because it's, it is terrifying. Overwhelming and terrifying, yes. The next, not to disparage that because we do want to talk about it, but there's still people with disabilities or mental health issues, the LGBTQ plus community, and that's all of them, even the plus questioning queer, intersex, pan, two-spirit, androgynous, whatever you are, um, and those suffering from domestic violence. And if you do find yourself in one of those categories, or if you don't, after the case that I talk about today, I will tell you what to do if you find yourself abducted. But in most cases, people aren't just snatched up. They're taken by being tricked. Like, someone, this person couldn't be here to pick you up, so I'm here to do it. Um, They're taken by being manipulated, making them think something that's not true. You know, like, oh, nobody loves you. No one's going to come for you anyways, or being threatened. And it's one, you hear about trafficking in, like, foster care and you hear about it within kids who are like, you know, quote, in the system, but I have it on very good authority. St. Karen, that's what she, she worked for the state. She worked for DCFS. She doesn't anymore, but she could never give me specifics. But when we, I did the human, like when I did the trafficking case, I asked her how frequent it happened because she's like, she lives in Louisiana, which is like, you know, right there on the water. It's the South is like it's insane down there. We already know how crazy Louisiana is. Yeah, we yeah. And she said that without going into specifics, the number of cases that where the kids are trafficked that come through DCFS is more often than she would ever want to be able to like know that she knows about and it's happening every single day, every minute, every hour this is happening and it is truly like an epidemic. Like yeah. it's, it's awful. So it's I'm glad scary. that you'll be giving us some information today. Give a little touch base. Um, and we did want to talk about a current missing person from the area that we're from. We were, we were going to bring it up on a previous episode, but it just, it wouldn't have been sensitive to the situation um, that her family is currently in. And this is an active investigation. So we're not going to go too into detail But we do want you to know that there is a 14-year-old girl named Aaliyah Ramirez, and she has been missing since April 27th. She left to go to the bus stop, and that was the last time anyone saw her. She's 5'9", 138 pounds-ish. She has very dark brown hair and brown eyes, and she's beautiful. And we will post pictures of her missing stuff on the... On the Instagram, I should say she's missing from Syracuse, Indiana. So yeah, and we the details like surrounding the case, like I mean, it's still an active investigation. So without 
um, jeopardizing anything. Yeah running the risk of like jeopardizing the case or anything like that. You hear a lot of like gossip and hearsay. So like, we don't know what specifically is true, but you know, it's been over a month at this point. So we just I mean, want her to be okay. And we have a very wide listener. Like, we have listeners from all over the country, all over the world. So, you Please know, go look at her. And if you might've heard anything or if you hearsay yourself, reach out to the number on the missing persons poster. It's really sad. Indeed. The main case I want to tell you about today is the abduction of Jennifer Holiday. And we're taking it back to 2005. That seems like it wasn't that long ago, but it was. Yeah, dude. It was almost 20 years ago. <laughs> but threw off my mouth a little bit. On May 29th, 2005, Jennifer Holiday was a 27-year-old mother and EMT. That evening, Jennifer picked up her younger cousin, Anna Franklin, who was 18, from her babysitting job. And they stopped at a gas station in Lufkin, Texas, to grab some things from inside. While they were getting their stuff, a man approached them and, you know, like hit on them. And they were essentially like, eh, nope, see ya. Just turned him right down. They got back into Jennifer's Ford Explorer and took off. And after a minute, they realized that they were being followed by a truck that had also been in the parking lot at their stop. They were a little concerned because he was following pretty closely, but they thought, you know, maybe he's just going the same direction. You could imagine their shock when suddenly her Explorer was shot at by a shotgun blast that had come from that truck that was following them. And Jennifer thought that she had been hit by another car because they had pulled up to a stoplight and that's when it was shot. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess I that's should have bold. said that differently. Yeah, exactly. It's very bold. So I pulled up to a stoplight, shotgun blast into their car. Anna starts screaming and calls 911 and Jennifer's trying to pull over because again, she thought she'd been hit by a car, but this was a fatal misjudgment. While Anna was on the phone with 911, the operator was attempting to calm her down so she could get in a location. But when she was just finally calming down, the man that fired the shot began approaching Jennifer's vehicle and Anna began screaming again. 911 call went dead. When that man was only a few feet away, he shot again directly into the front seats of Jennifer's car. Anna was shot in the side and back of her head proved to be fatal. Jennifer was seriously injured. She had been shot in the arm, the chest, and the neck by more than 40 pellets from that oh shotgun my blast. God. I know. And the brunt of the injuries were to her arm. It was barely attached. The 911 operator that had been on the phone with Anna immediately tries to start calling her back. She's trying to get her cell phone tower that it was attached to to ping it off of. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how cell phone towers work. It's one of those things. <laughs> so she's dispatching police to the area that this cell phone tower pings from. But while this is happening, the man dragged Jennifer out of her vehicle and into his. He shut her into his truck and went back to the car to try and move Anna. While he was doing that, he left the shotgun in the truck. And our badass of the day, Jennifer Holiday, threw his shotgun out the window. 
She just was like, into the road, check it out of there. Because her thought was, I need to get this weapon out of here. Yeah, absolutely. I would have not thought of that. Yeah, but as she looked around, she noticed that there were actually several guns in the cab of the truck. He returned to the truck before she could get rid of any of the other ones without Anna's body, and he sped off. She's in shock, right? This yeah. is This has all happened very fast. But Jennifer is just... She's debating her options. Does she grab one of the other guns? Is she going to die? What What do you, what do, you do? And 911 had been calling Anna back over and over and over again to get that location. And when the operator eventually did get the road and got officers on the scene, they found that shotgun. And they, Anna was at that time breathing, but it was very shallow. As officers got to that scene, the man had now pulled onto a very dark back road. He pulled Jennifer out of his truck, threw her into a ditch, and raped her. Jennifer said that before the rape, while they were driving, the man, he was just freaking out. He would get incredibly angry, fly into a rage, and he would hit her. And then he would laugh and just high and low, up and down. And she she couldn't tell what he was going to do next. He was clearly a very sick and psychotic person. But after he raped her, he started crying and he asked her, oh my gosh, what happened to you? What happened to your arm? Your arm is bleeding. Are you okay? Completely different person. And it kind of made her start to think that this guy's crazy emotional state, maybe she could get the upper hand in this situation Mm -hmm. by manipulating this guy. So he got her back into his truck and Jennifer started being super kind to him, affectionate even. She was telling him, that was so great. That was so wonderful. Thank you for such a nice time. Laying it on thick. And it started to work. She kept going. Like She was essentially putting a story into his head. She told him, you just pick me up and we're going to go to your house, remember? And at first he looked at her like she was crazy. Like, no, like, no. I'm and supposed she, to be the crazy one here. Yeah, exactly. But she cut him off. She was like, yes, yes, thank you so much. Did you just see that guy that shot me? That man shot me and he was going to leave me out there on the highway. Thank God you came along and saved me. And he started to come around and really believe her again. And he ended up taking her to his house. At her request, she, and she just kept going, are you going to let me use your phone? I'm really losing a lot of blood. And he was confused. So he just looked at her. He's like, oh, my gosh, yeah, you're bleeding everywhere. And at this time, Jennifer really wasn't wearing any clothes. So she found one of his shirts and she made her own tourniquet on her arm. She's an EMT, right? Yeah, she's an EMT. He didn't want to let her use the phone to call 911 because he had warrants out for his arrest. Because the year before he had shot Anna Franklin and Jennifer Holiday, he had been charged with domestic violence and making terrorist threats. So who is this asshole? <laughs> his name is Eric Parnell. In 2005, he was a 31-year-old shitbag with a record That included theft, assault, resulting in bodily injury, terroristic threats, and evading arrest due to him being in an armed standoff with police for three hours. Jeez. He had been in prison for all of those and then released on a work release program. And then he escaped 
from the work release program. He had a three-year-old and a baby on the way with a woman who he had abused until she had finally left him. She left him after he threatened her four times in a row that he was going to shoot her. And his ex said that he drank a lot and he would go berserk anytime anyone would tell him no. And what had Jennifer and Anna did? Oh, he's the guy from the... Yep. Same guy. Mm. They told him no. And he had tried to call his ex the same night before the gas station. And her stepfather had answered and told Eric that he wasn't going to wake up his daughter to take her calls. And Eric told him that he was going to kill him. The reason he had all of the guns in his truck was because he was going to drive there, kill his ex and her family. But he didn't go there. He went to a bar, got hammered, started hitting on women, kept getting turned down over and over, left in a rage, and he ended up at the same gas station as Anna and Jennifer. And Jennifer drove the exact same kind of car as his ex. Oh, triggers. Yep, exactly. Triggered him. He probably was just like, that's her. I'm going to, because obviously his state, his mental state was pretty. uh, Shaky at best. Yeah, shaky at best. Jennifer kept going. She convinced him that she was going to move in with him. Maybe they would get married. She said this man named John had shot her and Eric was her hero. Eric told Jennifer to stop acting bad because she was going to end up like all the other people and he wouldn't be responsible for that which is a pretty weird warning to her but whatever because she finally got him to let her call 911 when eric had pulled into his driveway jennifer had noticed a cemetery at the front of the property like cemeteries always make these stories like way worse 47 times scarier she was terrified The road that his house was on was called Durham Cemetery Road, and you legitimately have to pull into the cemetery to get to the house. When they got to his house, it was a very old trailer. She didn't know how long his calm was going to be until he snapped again. Mm -hmm. So she kept going. She continues her little, her charade, which is awesome, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, she's like, sit close to me. I want to be close to you because you're my hero. She was apologizing because she was bleeding everywhere, thanking him for his hospitality. She told him that she loved him. He was getting into it. He was like, okay. In her interview on uh, Your Worst Nightmare, the show, she said that she was touching on him and rubbing on him, just trying to make him like really believe this. And that was when she finally dropped. I really need to get this ambulance so that I can get my arm fixed. Can I please use your phone? And this was when he actually let her, but he he requested that only an ambulance come. No police can come. So this is how the 911 call went down. Jennifer got on the phone with the same dispatcher that Anna had been on the phone with. The the dispatcher's name is Stephanie. Um, she told her that she was being she was saved by a man who picked her up on the side of the road after she was shot. And if you've never called 911, you can hear them talking to like the officers when they're dispatching them. Mm-hmm. And so Stephanie was passing off this info to an officer. She was saying, I've got another gunshot. And Jennifer heard her and started saying, same one, same one. It's the same one. And Stephanie caught on and asked to talk to the man that she was with. And you can hear on the call that she is unsure about giving 
him the phone, but she handed the phone to Eric and Eric ended up giving them the exact directions to get to his house. It's the one on the right. And then you hear him turn to Jennifer and just say, you are bleeding everywhere. Oh my God. Just wild. The 911 operator tells him to go get Jennifer a glass of water because she's lost a lot of blood and he needs to give the phone back to her, which he does. And when he's out of the room, Jennifer is finally able to confirm like, this is the guy that shot me. I don't know him. I don't know his name. And they tell her it's going to take 40 minutes for an ambulance and police to get there. 40 minutes? Yes. What the hell? 40 minutes? Apparently, the location was very rural. Rural? It was, it was out there. Um, and But 40 Eric's, minutes? Jesus. I know. You can't get and a she helicopter said it was, or something? She said it was the last ambulance that she had left to send out, that they were all already dispatched. I'm get another, can't call another county. Yeah, like, what the hell? Is there only, <laughs> this is it. It's all I got. This last butte right here, she's going to be there in about 40 <laughs> minutes. Don't bleed out on me. Right? Oh, also, I know this is the guy that shot you. Exactly. Sorry about that. Stroke his and ego for 40 more minutes. What the? He f- brings her a glass of water and Jennifer snaps back into badass mode. She's starts telling the operator again, he's so wonderful and he saved me. And he took the phone back from her and the operator took over the storytelling. And Stephanie, the dispatch, she was telling Eric, wow, Jennifer was so lucky to have found you. And he he's like, yeah, we're thinking about getting married. It must have been fate. Just, I love that the dispatch caught on and then kept it going. Absolutely. That's a matter of life or death, honestly. Uh-huh. And that's a woman I mean, who knows how to do her job. I mean, that's could do if it takes 40 minutes to get an ambulance. Well, guess what? It took almost an hour. They kept her on the phone the whole time. But when the ambulance got there, they were told that this man had been in an armed standoff, essentially. So they have to wait for police. They won't get out to go get her. And when Eric looks out the window of his trailer and sees that the ambulance is there, but no one's coming out, no, there's no stretchers coming out, right? Something clicks and he's like, they're waiting for police. So he starts yelling at the 911 dispatch. They're trying to calm him back down. They want her to walk out to the ambulance and the phone line goes dead. Police do get there and they start surrounding the trailer and it was dark, but eventually and amazingly, they both start to walk out of the trailer. Jennifer was a little bit in front of him and they swarmed Eric like the second he walked out and Jennifer was able to break away and run to the ambulance for treatment. I would have been yelling the whole time. Fuck you. I'm not marrying you. We're going to talk about, and you know, she says that it was so hard to just keep doing that. And as soon as she was at the ambulance, she was just shaking and saying, like, get these, get his clothes off of me, get this tourniquet off of me. (laughs) And even in custody after he was arrested, he was still living this story that Jennifer had created in his mind, that he was the hero. He had saved her. He just did what any other good Samaritan wouldn't would have done, you know? But less than a day later, Eric Parnell was charged with first-degree murder, aggravated sexual assault, and kidnapping. 
In December 2005, he pled guilty to all of those charges just to avoid the death penalty, and he was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences in prison. And uh, he wrote a letter to Anna Franklin's mother, her cousin, that he murdered, and he blamed Anna and Jennifer for what had happened. He had no remorse. He says he doesn't remember anything. And Anna's poor mother she went to the prison to see him because she couldn't think about Anna without thinking about him. And she said that she wanted to talk to him so her mind wasn't held hostage by the thought of him anymore. And he gave her that letter when she went to visit him. I hope he gets his ass kicked every single day that he's in there. Me too. Anna did die that night. And even though Jennifer survived, she lost her job as an EMT, including her health insurance. She had to have several arm surgeries. It was literally hanging by a tendon after it was shot. She still can't feel the back of her hand. She can't put her hand to her face. She has no fine motor skills. The 40 shotgun pellets were lodged in her body, and she she had to have surgeries to try to fend off infections from those. And she eventually was in so much medical debt that she couldn't get the medical care she needed anymore. But in 2007, a couple of years later, the CEO of the hospital paid for a very critical surgery so that she could get movement in her elbow. That's nice. But also... I hope they paid off her other medical bills, too, because, like, oh, we'll pay for this surgery, but your other ones are going to have to cover those. She says she knows she'll never be the same, but her life's goal is just to get back a part of who she was before this all happened. Oh, it's... One, you have your cousin murdered in front of you. Like, and And then you go through the traumatic events of that night. mm -hmm. When she was on the phone with 911 and he left the room to get her water, she asked Stephanie, the 911 dispatch, is she okay? Is she dead? Can you tell me? And all all Stephanie could say was, ma'am, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Even though she did know, but she needed to keep Jennifer calm as well, you know? Yeah. Uh. This is um, why one of my cardinal rules of Midwest scumbags trying to talk to you at a gas station, I say nothing and pretend I'm deaf. Do you really? Yeah. I like give like emotion it- like I, I can't hear. Because then it's I'm not being rude. Ah, uh, that's fair. What if they knew sign language? <laughs> I, I doubt that they would. <laughs> I doubt if they're talking to people at a gas station in the Midwest. Yeah, that's true. And... All those dudes look the same, too. And this guy looks like all those. Like any dude you would picture at a Midwest gas station, it's exactly that person. It's just, where when did gas stations become the place where men become the worst versions of themselves? <laughs> like when all did the that fumes. Be, like when did that become a thing where it's like, you know what? Just left church. Just let my wife. I'm going to tell this girl how fat her ass is. <laughs> like... While she's getting a chili dog and a Mountain Dew. Yeah, it's like, dude, I'm about to crunch these Takis in my van. (laughs) (laughs) Stay away. You're not going to want me after this gas station coffee diarrhea hits. (laughs) And that is where all of our male listeners leave. (laughs) They're like, well, that's good. I'm done. Uh, the, The thing that, I mean... She is in this incredibly traumatic situation and she had the the foresight to see how crazy this dude was 
and manipulate that to her own benefit. And that is kind of what you should do if you're abducted. And I know people people joke, right? Like, if kidnappers would throw me out because I'm annoying, or I'd be asking them to change the radio, stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. But in the event that you are ever taken, and I hope none of you are, here are some things that you should probably do. First, kidnapping can happen anywhere. And your best chance of escaping is as soon as it starts to happen, even if it's risky. Like if they have a gun, you need to make the effort to go or mm-hmm. to draw attention to yourself. Just cause an absolute ruckus, fight like hell, make it known that someone is taking you against your will, scream, Run kick. in a zigzag pattern. Yes, exactly. Run away in a zigzag pattern. Hopefully they're not a very good shot. Um, Even if they are, the chances of them shooting you and killing you are Fatally far, shooting you. Yeah, yeah, fatally shooting you are slim. Yes, However, if you happen to be successfully taken, you need to cooperate. And that is the worst thing to hear. But you should focus on how you're going to survive and you need to be able to do it calmly. I would recommend telling yourself affirmations that I'm going to get out of this. No one controls me. I decide what I do. Those kind of things. You need to be confident that you're going to get out of there and start visualizing Where was I when this happened? Where am I going now? What turns am I taking? What can I smell? Can I, if you can see daylight, track when day turns to night and turns to day again. If you can make a tally somehow or just know the days going by, those will be important to you. Um, And when I say cooperate, I mean that I, like you said, I'd be like, fuck you. I don't get away from me. I don't want to touch you. But you need to make your captors realize that you're human. You know, if they look at you as a problem or as just like a rock, you know, they're dissociating the fact that you're a human being, they're not going to think twice about killing you. But if you, you know, you say like, I'm really hungry. I really have to go to the bathroom talk about your family and your pets and your religion, ask about theirs. And that's something that Jennifer did. You know, she was, she said, oh, you're my hero. I'm really thirsty. I've lost a lot of blood. I'm really hurting. You know, she was, she made him see that she was human. And honestly, I did that too. When I was kidnapped, I talked about my family and I asked what happened. If you're new here, when I was abducted. My kidnapper only had one arm and I asked him, what happened to your arm? You know, those kinds of things. I told him like I didn't when he was pulling my duct tape out and he was cutting it out of my hair. I was like, I don't want to cut my hair. Please be careful. And like I was nine, I wasn't thinking about that. You know, I was just, it was almost like childlike innocence at that point. But Jennifer was smart. Keep your ears open for things that could help you. If they say that they're going to bed Do you think you can give me like a pillow or a blanket? I get really cold at night, that kind of stuff. If you are tied up, like they tie your wrist, you want to make sure that the inner parts of your wrists are together like this. Okay, so like they're like, I'm going to tie you up, offer your wrists together. One, it allows your fingers to move and you can create enough pressure to like bust out a duct tape if you need to. 
but you can also, if it's like a zip tie, you can bring them, you can put them over your head and then bring them down over your stomach and snap like a zip tie that way. Uh, you can get enough pressure that way. And I learned part of that trick from Scooby-Doo. Yep, the Scooby-Doo that, trick. Yeah, because Velma got her hands tied and she like had done that. And she pulled something out of her sweater sleeve and she did it like a little tighter and looser. So that one actually saved my life. I highly, highly recommend that. Um, if you're ever put into a trunk, modern trunks after 2001 have the glow in the dark trunk pull that you can reopen it from the inside. But if it's older, you can go into the corner and pull the carpet and you can punch out the back taillight. Yep. It's it's hard, but you can do it. I remember that was like the it, first thing I ever learned. Like yeah, before and it's... I- it has saved people's lives. Like they've been driving, people have been driving down the road and they see like hands. Yeah, like, coming out of the back. Help, and they, help. Right by the license plate, you know. If someone is using you to get a ransom, don't lie about how much you're worth. Don't undersell yourself, but don't be like, whatever you want. We'll give you a million dollars. Just let me go. Because when they find out that they you're not worth a million dollars or the person, your family doesn't have a million dollars to give this person, why would they let you go? You know, mm-hmm. just shoot for that reasonable, reasonable amount, an amount that you know that they could be given if you needed to be made a trade. And if, and hopefully, and if you are being rescued, drop to the floor and be super still. Cross your arms, stand still if you can't drop to the floor because you don't want anybody rescuing you to think that you are actually like part of the threat which is a weird thing to think, but it's happened. No, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So those are my very sad, (laughs) sad that I have to give you those bits, tidbits of advice. I will throw a couple in. If you believe someone is following you, make three left turns or three right turns. If they are still following you, head to the nearest police station. Do not go home. Do not go to anywhere where your family lives. Head to the nearest police station. Yep. That is a huge one. Don't – I know it sounds – and I'm not saying like this was this situation, but like this is a prime example of – it may sound cool and fun to like – like as women or men, like it doesn't matter. Like you have a right to be like, no, I do not want you to talk to me like that. And I am never telling someone to be polite and kind to someone who is like trying to talk to them. No, you but should just the, be human. Yeah, but there is the fine. This is an example of you never know what has made someone snap. They were just like, no, you know, like they weren't overly rude. Like no, it's not like, like no, nope, but I it, don't want this. I'm going to go back in my car with my gummy worms. No, like, no thank you. <laughs> But there's a there's a thin line between like that and like being like, I'm going to be as big of a jerk as I can in this situation. Like you have every right to, but you also have to think, could this be what makes someone snap? Like, could this could yeah. me be Will like this be the thing that makes that person turn around and shoot me or, you know, mm-hmm. strangle me because I make them so mad. Yeah. So that is another one. Like. You can say like, no, thanks. Or like I said, I always just pretend I'm deaf, like where they just think like there's something wrong with me and I'm like, I can't hear them. And like, it works. I've never, I've gotten one time, I was probably 16 or 17. I was at the mall and I was not someone, Meg and I, neither one of us were someone who looked 
16 or 17 when we were 16 or 17 we looked younger like and I mean we're in our 30s now and like we still don't look like we're in our 30s thanks moms thank you good jeans but like looking back now like doing this I had they were they had to have been in their 20s they were like Asking for your number and yep. I don't exactly remember what they said, but I remember they asked me like, what's up? Like, how are you or something or like just – it started like being very like disrespectful and I was like, I'm too good to talk to you. And I remember like them being like – that was – I thought I was being clever like, ha, too good to talk to you. But they were like, yeah, well, fuck you then. And I was like (laughs) – Okay, Whoop. but like looking back now, like that could have been a very dangerous situation. I was by myself at the mall, weighing at that time like a hundred pounds. Not like that's, you know, it's not was not the smartest thing I've done. But just keep it's your. It's scary to think that like you have to, even when you're tough and you don't, you're not a submissive person, that you have to put yourself into that mindset just to survive like that's not a fair thing to have to happen to you and it's you know like we just want you alive yes and it's it's not fair to be like well don't let them take you to the second spot because we as we as we know sometimes you can't prevent that no matter what you do you cannot prevent them from taking you all i mean you can always be like no i'm not going to help you with the car like i'll call i'll call someone i'll call a tow company for you to come to you I never help anyone. Yeah, I never pull over. I never help anyone. I don't care if you're, I know it sounds bad, but like I don't pull over if you're a woman on the side of, I don't. Just, it's never going to happen. Too much true crime. Yeah, I'm never going to pull over and help you. Like it's just never, it's never that. I never have my, like I never park where my back could be like to the, towards a lot of people for too long. Mm -hmm. I don't even like go out to like the stores or anything with, my kids at night because it's just like too hard. I have a taser and a screwdriver in my purse. So I mean, (laughs) the classic screwdriver under the seat. Yep. It's, and it's, you know, another thing like that, I think needs like put your kids in the car first, put them in there first. Don't, you know, have your back turn them, like putting your groceries in the car and having your baby in the cart or buggy, whatever you want to call it. Like just it's this a quick, is a, if you've done these things, it's not like an, a, we're not attacking you. We don't want you no. to feel like, oh no, like these guys not, are, these guys don't know what they're I'm talking not. about. We literally just want you to be safe. Yeah. And like literally, I mean, I did all of these things until probably five years ago. Like I yeah. didn't think anything of it. Like having like my son at that time, I just had like my oldest, like having him in the cart while I would like load my groceries. Now I don't even go grocery shopping, but <laughs> now I just order them and pick them up. That way I don't have to get out of the car. But it's – I know we don't live in the same world that we did when we were kids. Horrible things happened while – like when we were kids, obviously, like we've all – we know. I mean Meg has told us like we know that horrible things happened back then. But they are military efficient with taking humans now. And it is the idea that you can just be carrying on about your business and with precision just someone take you. Yep. That's why we say, like, we know that it's not always possible to avoid it or anything. But if you can get out of it, do what you got to do. And no pride. No. Like, you you do what you have to do. You play the part. You do what – 
horrible, unspeakable things that you will, you know, you don't even want to imagine. You have, you know, never stop fighting until you don't have a choice. Yeah. But never, and you can't be like, all right, this is it. Cause I, it's, unless you've been in that position, like you can't explain like the fight or flight that like comes over you, like this, like I'm gonna survive this. I look at it now, like when you were telling her story, and I was like, okay, did Jennifer, is this something she knew, or is it something like if you're in that position, this like mode just takes over and like survival mode kicks in, and you're like, what do I have to do to survive? Cause like looking at it from like my point now, I don't, I don't feel like I'd be able to do that. But then again, I'm not in the position where I would have to. Yeah, I think you would. And I, I do think that it, it does happen. But that doesn't mean that you're not, you don't still think about all of the things that, that are scary and that could happen. You're just, it's such a delicate line that you're walking, you know, it's like a tightrope. Mm-hmm. You're just taking it one step at a time and hoping that you don't fall. And when you get the chance, think about Megan and run like hell. Yeah. If you see an opening, go. It's the same thing. You know, you might not, but if you see it as fast as you can. Mm. This is tough. It's tough. Like when you have kids, it's tough. Like that it, it it's an, you know, an interaction at a gas station where you're just like in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. And you also have the same car as someone on the opposite side of this. I know we live in a generation where we are consumed by our cell phones. And like, if I am at the store, I have an air potted mainly just so people don't talk to me. But like a lot of the time I'm not listening to anything. It's just like a decoy. (laughs) Decoy pod. But keep an eye out for your fellow humans. Like if you're consumed with your phone and you're like looking down when you're walking, one, you just became an easy target. And two, you may miss someone else being abducted that you could have helped. Yeah. So just be on the lookout, especially like women who have children, you know, don't be like creepy about it, but just, you know. Pay close attention, like keep an eye on. Don't be creepy about it. (laughs) Be there for your fellow human. I think of the little boy, the the little boys who um, saw the little girl get abducted and they were on their bikes and they pedaled like hell. Yeah. Yes. So like be like them because like that, like pedal your little bike straight to the police station. But it saved the girl's life. It saved her life. Because other people were being vigilant. Sometimes, like, you, like, there's two parts to the equation. Man, yeah, that's. That was, that was a, it was, I loved it because it was so, because one, Jennifer's a badass. Badass. Yeah. yeah. And two, like, she did get out and it was completely due to her own, it was courageous of her to do that. Um, but I just think- the idea that we have to have these conversations is such mm-hmm. a bummer. I think about it like probably more often than I should, like with your abduction, just how you literally did textbook everything correctly. And I don't know, like it's, I don't know how to say it. Like, it's just crazy to think like you had those skills and I don't even like, even if you didn't realize you had them, like you were walking around with these skills and it's like, we're all, we've all got a little it's, badass tucked somewhere, tucked somewhere in there, even if we think we don't, I think. But I think it is good to show like two different sides of it because like she completely played the mind game aspect of it. Like yeah, to a T and you freaking escaped. 
Like, <laughs> you yeah, did I've, that. I'm interested, like, I, I wonder if her EMT training, like maybe psych classes that she had to take to become an EMT had something to mm-hmm. do with that. Um, because I wouldn't have thought that way, you know? If they were going Honestly, up and down, I, I would have been scared, I think. I don't think that... I don't think it would have been that situation had he not started crying. Yeah. Because true. then she's like, wait a second. You can hear what? him on the 911 call too. He sounds concerned and like legitimately like upset that she's hurt. This because is now, now they're getting married. You never know how seriously mentally ill people are. Yeah. And obviously because they can look been mentally they, ill for quite a while. They can look normal. Like they just like look. It's this guy didn't. He looked like a gas station Chad. But did he look like a gas station Chad that's going to follow you, shoot out your car, and murder your cousin and abduct you? Know, you know, I really expect that from all gas station Chads. So. True. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> and, like, honestly, guys, stop doing that. Like, stop talking to women at gas stations. We do not like it. I've never once been like, oh, my God, he could have been the one. Nope. Not once. No. Have you ever seen that meme of just like it's a picture of Justin Bieber and it's like <laughs> this guy looks like every dude you could pick up at your local gas station. Mm-hmm. He's got like the dirt stash and it's funny. It's true. It's like I understand all you have to shoot your shot in certain situations. Like you have to be like it's flattering to like learn be- to be more casual about it or at least like genuinely kind i guess yeah like like, like, wow you look really nice today hey i just i thought there's a difference today if someone walks up to me and they're like hi how are you doing good thanks i'm never gonna ask you how you're doing but like i'll be polite about it if you like actively start hitting on me like from the get-go that's when i'm like "Uh, uh." sorry i can't i don't speak idiot yeah i don't but uh, it brings a whole new level of fear now because I cruise around with the kids. <laughs> yeah. Didn't that happen to you? Like a guy started talking to you about your car? Yes. Oh, that was so weird. It really didn't. I didn't even think about it because I live in a small town and everybody just kind of, everyone's a little bit more chatty than they would be in a bigger town, right? Mm-hmm. Or in a city. And I was at the gas station and I just had my car parked and I walked out of the gas station and like put my kids in the car. And he's like, what kind of, what, what year, what year is that car? And I was like, oh, it's a, this. He's like, yeah, I got one. Uh, I really like mine. Do you like yours? And I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's got the it's the Citadel or whatever. So it's got the TV for the kids in it. He's like, yours has got a TV. And like, he started walking toward it. Like I was going to show him the inside of my car while my kids were in there. I was like, yep. See you later. Peace. Here you laugh. <laughs> so it's just, uh, oh man. Stay tuned for more survival tips. <laughs> Coming again in a future episode. So on that note, we're going to go sulk. We're going to go meh, meh. That's it for today. Thank you all so much for listening to Gruesome True Crime with me, Connie, and Meg. We appreciate every single one of you. We truly do. If you actually like us and you're not just trying to seduce and murder us, you can follow along or see extras from the show on our Instagram at Gruesome Podcast. Or if you want to tell us our skin would make a nice lampshade, or if you have follow-up questions about the episode, follow the form on our website, gruesomepodcast.com, and email us. We love hearing from you guys. 
You can listen to Gruesome at the links listed on that website, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you normally get your podcast fill. Thank you again. Be sure to subscribe. Check your back seat before you get into your car. And remember that on Wednesdays, we're, we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.